0: This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. I'm Sean Helch, and I'm joined by Dan Gillette and Jason Moog. We each serve in different roles at Valley Bible Church. Without further ado, here is the Behold podcast. All right, well, welcome to yet another episode of the Behold podcast. Uh, this is Sean, and we also have Dan and Jason Moog with us this week. Say hi, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hi. And Jason, you took those instructions quite literally. Um, I so, did. man, it's been a while, been a few weeks since you've been on with us. Yep. So, why don't you give listeners and our church family just an update on person of Jason, but also like your family on Natalie and Autumn and just how you guys are doing.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> my pleasure. Uh, well, first of all, thank you guys, those who chose to listen today. Hello to you. We have a connection we'll talk about later just simply because you're listening. But uh, I, uh, in general, I think in, I, I often say this phrase when people ask me, how are we, how's the mugs doing? How are we doing? I stop and I think about it because I really do want to think, but I even for seconds, I say I th- I think we're doing good or great on the things that matter most. And I leave it at that. Most people don't dig at that. But well, I think <laughs> what, I, what I mean by that is when it comes to our relational gardening, you know, caring for our relationships as a Moog, Moog, little Moog family uh, on making Christ a priority or understanding our purposes and investing those things on the, on the things that, of life that matter most, I think we're doing good or great. And, and, the, and God's been faithful to that. In terms of just more specific things, I would say the first half of COVID, our COVID experience, I felt a little sometimes guilty just sharing how I th- we were doing great, like just maximizing time, energy, um, projects, personal projects, ministry projects, um, just really enjoying some of the how we're going to respond to this time period. And I think the second half, or at least maybe the past two months have been a- yeah. more difficult for us. I think some of that's connected to I I have a, uh I've shared with a lot of you um, a muscle condition that sometimes just really takes a toll on me in terms of energy or um, pain, and so I think and then sometimes that brings me I I I think I bring a funk sometimes where I can be down or just quiet. I think I'm just quiet, mm. um, and yeah, it's just not how I want to care for my family and things like that. So I think that's impacted us the past, you know. I'm hoping October is going to be different. I'm, I'm sure. Nice. Yeah. So I. So anyway, that's kind of that's an honest answer. How we're doing? You can can pray for us.
2: No, I, I bet, and I bet a lot of people listening can can relate to that, and I know I can, just because there's a a weariness, you know, a fatigue that's like settled in, mm. um, just with not being able to do the normal things of life, and just our our rhythms with relationships and activities and trips and, yeah. you know, the restaurants we like to eat at and everything else, it's just, it's disrupted. And so I think initially that for a lot of people, it was, there was a novelty to it and now it's like a grind. Mm. And so I've just been, um, super aware of that and just kind of going to the Lord, you know, and just asking for endurance, you know? And yeah, so I, th- I'm, I'm so grateful that you shared that. and I, I think a lot of people are in that same place too. And I, I know you know we've been talking in the midst of like you know feeling discouraged or feeling tired or weary. There's some cool stuff happening too. I don't know if you want to share. Um, there's some people kind of in your in your circle that have have come to faith in Christ.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think uh, even when I say this the past couple of months has been harder. I if someone maybe you guys are going to hate me for saying that. I know you guys won't maybe listeners <laughs> will. If someone said hey this whole COVID experience can end tomorrow. Uh, I would be partly bummed, uh, and I don't mean in terms of I don't want people dying, of course, and I don't want people in pain and so. Forth. But the, in in a, in a culture that's always taking place, right? This is just the means in which it's happening now. But I think this COVID experience has pushed us to think about things that matter. I don't know, matter most things that um, how are we going to spend our time? And and it doesn't last. It's nothing lasts forever, um, and I just. Sorry, I heard an echo here. Anyway, nothing lasts forever. And so I um, I know it'll go away, and it, noth- it won't go quite back to, the, you know, it thinks it's been enough of an impact on our lives and culture and world that it, it won't go back to the exact same. Right. But there will be a, a familiarity to the eventually. And and I think this time, I wonder if we're maximizing on it, you know. So that's, so I don't know, I feel like uh, one of the ways we've maximized is just I think there's been a heightened awareness for unbelievers to ask the questions of like, hey, where maybe they don't they don't word this way, but they're like, this has rocked me. So where yeah. am I, Where is my foundation? And I've had an increased favor in my ministry and in my personal life talking to unbelievers. And so along this COVID journey, there's been uh, people who have come to saving faith based on those discussions and heard the gospel. And, you know, one, one that I've mentioned to Dan is a whole, is a whole family like they're it just kind of peppered down through siblings and parents and things like that. So it's been really encouraging.
2: So that's so amazing to hear. I love it. I love it. Well, it's good to have you back on the podcast, Jason. It's been too long. We've been, we've been hunting you down and now you're, you're here. So, um, everybody buckle up. It's going to be good.
0: Yeah. Uh, Jason, like Dan said, I think a lot of people can just relate to where you're at and, um, yeah, it's really special to have you just sacrifice some of your time and your energy even with everything going on to be with us. So we are excited, my brother, to have sure. this dun-dun-dun time of koinonia with mm-hmm. you. So here, so it's buckle a up, segue. people, because here we go. All right, so those of you who have been listening for the last few weeks, you know that we are in our Together teaching series. And again, we're looking at just the, this idea that, that God has designed and created his people for community and for fellowship and for relationship. And this last Sunday... Uh, Mr. Jason Moog over there, he led us through on what the meaning of of koinonia is, biblically at least, and some of the the key elements that we see inside of that. But before we hit that, though, Jason, just give us a little preface and help our people to understand why is it that now after three weeks we're talking about this? Why didn't we start with koinonia?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Thanks. Uh, A little background story, uh, I don't even know if you guys know this. You, well, I know you remember, we were going to go through the book of Jonah. Do you remember that?
2: I do remember that. So,
1: we, I, those of you who are listening or are newer to our faith family, we function off of a teaching team. And so, while some of the teachers are focused on one series, some of us are freed to write the curriculum or the material for another series. And so, I had been working on a series for Jonah that we were going to do during this time. This was before COVID. And then, bam, we got here. And just in praying through it, we thought, man, this is this is great stuff. But it it if if we had started right now with working on a series, this is I wouldn't have picked Jonah. Um, but, and you know, I, and there's a, that's a whole that would be a whole other podcast on how do we choose series and how do we pray through that and things like that. But anyway, so we talked. I talked with them. And I said, what if we hold off on Jonah? And maybe look at it 2021 or sometime in the future. That'll be ready to go. And then. Uh, and I said, I suggest this like this uh, conceptual series just on Koinonia. and that's kind of how that birthed. And so I started working on this ten week series for Koine- for what we now have called together, which is somewhat of a pun. Do you guys know that? I mean, because people use the phrase we're, "we're in this together," we're in the you know stick, stick in the fight together, right, and, um, right. you know, doing life together. And so we said, well, what do we actually? What do Christians actually mean when they say that? And so that's kind of how that unfolded, and and so. Uh, yeah, Gary and um, I said, hey, would you guys lay a foundation? And so Gary and uh, Ch- and Charlie and some of the team, that part of the team said, hey, you know, they looked at different ways to lay a foundation, kind of showing how God's, God's a relational God. And he's created us to function in unity that way. And so we thought it, a good foundation would be, they did, uh, to go through 1 Corinthians 12. And so that just kind of laid this foundation of, hey, look at this. the The, the church is designed this way. Um, because God is relational God and because he designed us to be one body. And so that led us into, let's lay that foundation first, and then now we'll talk about, okay, so now specifically, we as a body, how can we care for one another in in these five different ways?
2: And it's so important because some of us have grown up in the church and we hear certain words and they just get kind of thrown around and and maybe over time they kind of change meaning Mm. or they lose their their their, you know, their, their
1: potency. potency. Yeah.
2: And um, so I, I think fellowship is actually one of those words that we just kind of, I don't know, like we, we think we know what it means, but, but when we actually look at what it, you know, what are the intended authors mean when they use this, this term, you know, ko- koinonia that we get fellowship from, uh, it brings different insight and new insight. So, and I, I know, I know you, you even said on Sunday that there's uh, a lot of different you know, characteristics that are, that are important or essential to Christian coin and Nia. And and we looked at four on Sunday. So I'm so glad that, that we looked at that on Sunday because it just brings a whole new insight and, and it helps us understand really what that, what that term means and, and, and and the implications for us.
0: Yeah. And I think before, um, we, we go too far down this road, we should just define the terms here, establish like you did on Sunday, what do we mean when we say koinonia? Yeah. And Jason, you helped us understand on Sunday that you know, 2,000 years ago, this Greek word koinonia was used to describe when you have this kind of shared bond or this shared foundation with somebody. And it wasn't necessarily just a Christian thing. You, know, you talked about people who were like masons and carpenters. They had exactly. koinonia with one another because of that one shared bond. And then you you clarified that then the the, the early church... Their shared bond, and really the same for us. It's Christ. So now we have coin in Christ, and we always will. Yeah. So with that, that in mind, go ahead, take it. Well, I was going to tell you that you
1: <laughs> you just did the definition perfect. I mean, that was excellent. And you know, to, to nerd out on you guys, the the I don't know if the people at home like hearing this stuff, but there was a word koinos. So so koinos is the The root word of koinonia, and koinos was used as a prefix in the Old Testament. Or sorry, in the in New Testament Greek, there and uh, and so you would add that word to almost any other Greek word. So like if you and if you and Dan Sean were like talking about your a horse and and you took the word Greek word for horse (laughs) and you added this prefix koinos to it, you would communicate to me, oh, you guys, I would know, oh, you guys have, a, you own a horse together, you guys winning in on a horse, you bought a horse together.
2: We should do that. Yeah, yeah. I'd be down for that.
1: So you could add coinos to anything, oh, you know, and you, you, if you talked about a business, it would communicate, oh, you and Dan are business partners, you know, or, That's cool. and it wasn't so much just, you know, that there's something in common, it's because there's something in common, you guys acted on it, and you're acting on it, you're in business relationship together, you're functioning that way, and so... That mm-hmm. was that word, yeah. You, you nailed it, um, Sean. Just I didn't say any of that on Sunday, but um, yeah, just that idea of it was already being used in the culture, and then what they started to see is whoa, the fellowship that these Christians have. What, what's what's the one thing in common? Well, it's Christ. So yeah, that's it. And then we and then we turned that to fellowship in the English, like you Dan said. And then yeah, we used it all over. I bet you if we ask kids, especially kids growing up, and then. 80s and 90s, what (laughs) fellowship is, it meant a hall in a church, like fellowship hall, yeah, yeah, yeah. or fellowship time. meant That's the time I go get those donuts. Yeah,
0: Like
2: that, exactly. that they refer to fellowship oh, it's time. Like, it's a potluck, yeah. Fe- fellowship and potluck. Is, yeah. and know, then synonymous. and then you
0: go back 15 years or so later, and then fellowship will just mean a group of people escorting a hobbit with a ring. Yeah. That's <laughs> what they can.
1: <laughs>
2: nice.
0: Yeah. Nice. I didn't even yeah. think
1: of that, Sean. That's funny because that is good. That that is. They had they had koinonia. They were yeah. had one purpose, one goal. Came together acting on it
2: yeah one yeah, ring so, to rule one ring. oh my gosh <laughs> it is getting so nerdy on this podcast okay so so like you were talking about on Sunday so so thanks for you know clarifying that for, for those that missed it and if you want to dig a little deeper you can you can go listen to that or watch the, the watch the sermon anytime just go to our website but one of the things you said i thought was really interesting jason on sunday was that yeah, there's all different kinds of of koinonia, but but Christian koinonia, is it, there's just speci- uh, some specific characteristics of it, and you gave us four on Sunday, yeah, and but I, but I, I kind of thought it was interesting that you said there's actually more than four. There's a whole list of other things that you didn't take the time to, to look at, and so I'm just curious t- two things: why did you choose those four to okay. share with us, mm-hmm. and then are there any that you would like to take this time now to to, to look at?
1: Mm. Well, I, I, uh, yeah, that is correct. I and I said I think I said I had a hobby, which is a weird term. I maybe a practice of writing down those common denominators. I think is the phrase I use for when I see faith families over the years in different cultures, or if you, even you think about the East Bay, different church families here in the East Bay who claim to follow Jesus, teach the Word of God, are led by the Holy Spirit. They have different personalities at each of those churches. There's different or different vibe, and you guys have probably if visiting other churches, experienced totally. that, yeah. Um, and then you add to that cross inter- international and cross cultural and different traditions and customs and things like that. Churches are going to be very different. But, like I keep saying, and what you're mentioning, Dan, is if they are, uh, you know, if they acknowledge it's, it, their commonalities in Christ, it doesn't even matter the time period in history. You can go to a Chinese church in the 1800s and we're going to find commonalities because the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and that's what I I keep an ongoing list about and um yeah so here we go I'll read a couple off it's got I, one of the ones I almost chose was uh, the, the to me the number 1 is the authority of scripture that's would you guys agree that's that's got to be number 1 yeah absolutely um and you know like a gospel uh, priority on prayer Commitment to uh, growing in worship and ministry and evangelism. Commitment to obedience and understanding obedience is an expression of trust and and love and worship. And I got humility on here and uh, a sense of urgency for the gospel. These seem to be almost more important in some ways than the four that I mentioned, right? Or what do you guys think?
2: Yeah, totally. I mean, so I'm I'm like scratching my head. I was, so why you know <laughs> yeah, mean, yeah. why didn't you include some of those ones because they, they especially the worship one. I mean, come on.
1: That's your jam. Yeah, that's, that's you and
0: Sean. Yeah.
2: But uh, but yeah, yeah, what do you kind of kind of give us some insight because yeah. I know you spent
0: a lot of time praying through. Can, what, can what, I what? can I guess? Yeah, you can guess. Yeah, can yeah. You, can I give guess answer? Well, so I. Before we get too far too, for, for anyone listening who didn't watch the service, let's tell them what the four are that we chose. Oh, yeah. Because they're probably sitting there itch, on the edge of their seat, what are the four? <laughs> so the four that we did talk about are Koinea requires authenticity, it requires mutuality, it requires compassion, and it requires mercy, forgiveness, and grace. Which kind is things. kind of a
2: cheater because
0: that's three things and one. I know. It did, yeah. It's it always a bit of a there, <laughs> It was but, tough. But, I mean, so
1: my, my list has dozens and dozens on them. Yeah, of common common denominators.
0: My guess as to why you picked those four and not some of those other ones, which seem really integral to the Christian life, is because these ones seem particularly poignant and aimed at relational living as Christians. Hmm. As I read them.
1: Ding ding ding! nail it! Whoa, yeah. mind so, reader! Yeah, uh, they're gonna think I, I just handed you that one. No, I really didn't. They, he, you nailed it. So there was two reasons, Sean, and that's reason number number one. I I, I don't know if it's one or two. <laughs> anyway, that was one of them. Is we're dealing with here primarily in this particular series how God has designed us to care for each other relationally, and um, and so that had me highlight some of the, you know. Um, you know, humility almost made the list, like a deep commitment to humility, things like that. Uh, but, um, yeah, so I thought that would be helpful. The second reason is, uh, uh, as soon as I added the word Christian koinonia, I almost said Christ-like koinonia. So the points are actually Christian koinonia requires da-da-da, Christian koinonia requires, or yeah. cri- or I, I wanted to say Christ-like, you know, went back and forth that. As soon as that is established, if it's true Christ-like, Koinonia. if it's true Christian Koinonia, then the people that have it have already established some of these other things, that Christ is center, that that the authority of, of what he teaches in scripture is central, hmm. you know, so so it like checked off a bunch of things. I don't know if people realize that, but if you really have established, hey, we don't have Koinonia just because of, you know, like I mentioned, like Dan... We're part got,
2: of a club or whatever. Right,
1: or you got Koinonia yeah. with your, uh, what is it, Green Bay fans. Did you, did right. you hear I mention that? With your yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, um. Yeah, it's we it's there's a, it once we establish oh there's Christian community well then it, we we've already identified hopefully it's in Christ it's because we have a relationship with Christ we've been forgiven by Christ raised by Christ you know um, raised with Christ so so that checked off a lot of them.
2: Yeah, so there's some there's some kind of underlying assumptions that we're going in already on the same page with. Yeah. And and so let's let's build off of that and let's focus on you know how how to how to live life together
1: relationally. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's good. And then of the course that we got about 30, 30 plus minutes, so we got you know you <laughs> so got it, it down. You got to pick. It. You got to be picky. So um, yeah, I mean I think another thing I'll turn it back to Sean to like lead us through the the ones um, that we talk about here. But like even authenticity, that first one, I, you know, I picked ones that I think are just really hard for us. You know, when it comes to relational thing, we have a proclivity to do the, almost the opposite of that. So
0: that's the one I picked. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for that insight, uh, Reverend Moog. Um, so, yeah, I guess just looking at the four that we did talk about on Sunday, you know, those four slash 4.5 or 5, depending on how you count them, uh, relational aspects of Koineas. You know, you guys remember that um, as Tim closed the service, he really gave us a charge to kind of take that one like takeaway and, and do something with it. So, um, Dan, as you were listening, and, and Jason, this is kind of a cheat for you because you spoke, but yeah. you had plenty of time to think about it, so you can answer too. If you had to pick like one takeaway from those four aspects of Corinna, like what would it be, Dan? Yeah, so I'll I'll talk about compassion,
2: and this is just something that really is striking for me as, you know, you just think about Jesus and just the attitude that he had. Jason, you, you, you gave us in the notes, just that, you know, this, this, um, response that Jesus had when he saw the crowds that he, he, he was moved with, you know, with compassion towards them. And, you know, he, he thought of them, um, like sheep without a shepherd and, Man, I just think the implications for that are, are so huge. And I think especially in this time um where there's there's so much vitriol and hostility and and, and hatred in the world, this is something that I think we we need to be just like pouring into and just looking at Jesus, man, how, what kind of heart did Jesus have? And just praying and asking God to to to, to stir that heart in us yeah. as we think of other people. Um, and then there's some great passages there, just um, some practical things about, like I just love the idea from Galatians 6, just that picture of like carrying someone else's burden. Mm. And man, I just, I think back to some of the, uh, maybe hard times that I've had in life or some of the, really the, the moments in my life where I experienced the greatest joy and delight, it had to do with that issue of like carrying someone else's burden, you know, either someone came alongside me when I was, when I was feeling overwhelmed and crushed and just, I don't know, just that picture of just like holding up my, my load and just, you know, taking, taking the, the ease off. You know, easing easing my burden a little, or vice versa, and so I just think there's so much life and so much delight and joy in in doing that, and um, and then just you know also thinking about people outside our faith family, yeah. When they see us do that, when they see us uh, care for each other in that way, and when we are moved with compassion towards them to enter into to whatever's going on in their life. Even though they're not part of our faith family, I mean that's such a powerful witness, and it can um, it can really show people the the, the heart of Jesus. Um, I was talking to a buddy this week, and he, uh, you know, was just was just thinking about this issue of, of Christian koinonia and and it requires compassion and and obviously we're primarily talking about the context of brothers and sisters in in, in faith family, right? Our, our right. church family. But he, um, he, you know, was just extending that into his his time, his place where he spends most of his time uh, at, at work, and there was this guy, his coworker, who just um, really kind of did him wrong in in a very particular way, and uh, you know, some some things kind of transpired, and the person basically had to come back and and kind of apologize and 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 admit he was wrong and and. And because the, this 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 guy had been thinking about the compassion of Christ, um, he he was able to just extend grace to him and be very kind in in receiving that and and, and giving forgiveness. And he was just it was just kind of cool. He was like, I think maybe a couple months ago or or whatever, like I wouldn't have been in that place where I would have done that. Mm. And so it's just kind of cool as you know as we think about Jesus um, and his heart for people and we model ourselves after that, we can, we can really, you know, show that and extend that to others. And that's just, I think is really powerful.
0: It's cool. Yeah. Uh, on that note, Jason, I really appreciated that you, because if, if compassion is like the level two for caring for others, you know, level one you mentioned is like sympathy and empathy. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that, In general, most humans just forget to do that when it comes to disagreements or arguments or conflicts, whatever it is, and especially in times like right now where there's so many issues that are just creating division amongst God's people and people are finding themselves in different camps. They're just forgetting to do those two things of, of remembering like either through, through sympathy, like, Hey, I've walked through the, what this person's walked through too. And I can identify mm-hmm. with them. Yeah. Or, or to me, which is even more important is being able to empathize is really being able to sit and, and, and try to imagine what this person is going through. Right. Uh, but instead we just go to that default of just no me, 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 me. Um, right. Which honestly I think is from the enemy. It's from Satan. And like Dan said, like when, we're close to Jesus and, and praying for help in these things. He gives us that humility. It becomes much easier to do that, sympathizing and empathizing and right. um, yeah, just leading to that compassion towards people.
1: Yeah. Someone, someone came up to me uh, at the Sunday night service and that we had that you guys should definitely check out. And I, I, not you two. I know you guys are there, but <laughs> I'm not the listeners if you haven't checked out. Uh, and he, they said, you know, I'm kind of mad at you. And I'm like, what? And he's like, I. You broke down that idea of of pity, sympathy, empathy, compassion. And and if those of you who weren't listening on Sunday weren't able to, uh, pity pity basically says, sees someone in pain and says, you know, that stinks for her, you know, or stinks for him. I wouldn't want to experience that. That's that's fundamental pity, Uh, sympathy, which we need. We we all can have that. That's it's okay to have pity on someone, but then sympathy says. I can remember what it's like to be in a situation like that or an experience like that. Empathy, which is the next level, says I'm going to try to put myself in their shoes and, and picture what it's like for that person right now. And that's those. That's what Sean was mentioning, that sympathy and empathy are so important to be able to do. But compassion acts on it. It says I'm going to actually do something now. I'm going to try to help the situation out. I'm not going to fix it. I, um, so, should, so those of you listening, you're not. it's not compassionate to always try to be the fixer. But you're going to act on it. And that's what Jesus did, right? And so this person on Sunday night said, I'm kind of mad at you because I, in breaking it down like that, you helped me to see I, I'm i a very sympathetic and empathetic person. I, I That's where I stop. I usually sympathize, you know, trying to remember what it's like to be in a situation like that, and then empathize with the person. But I rarely, if I go with your definitions, Jason, I rarely go to compassion and act on it. Like, what am I going to do about it for that person? and um but you know they 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 were somewhat joking they were like you know i got i got right. i got to i got to spend time thinking about this and i said you know well, you know some some w- the greatest way you can act on is prayer a lot of people think oh well that doesn't really count but man you are going on behalf uh, of that person that you now you have empathy and sympathy for and and you're acting on it. you're asking god to do something that only he can do so but there's lots of other ways we show mm. compassion
2: yeah well yeah and even those those uh those passages you know from galatians and colossians and second corinthians have just uh you know, carrying one another's burdens, bearing with one another. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can all. I think most of us can picture what that looks like. Either someone has has done that for us. They've, like on Sunday, you said they they entered into our our burden or our pain or our grief and helped us carry the load. Yeah. Um. I think we can all kind of picture what that looks like, and um, and I think as we as we pray and we we know that that is a great way to have compassion on people it's it's the first and best thing we can do but i found that as we walk in that it's kind of like a like a reaction like okay i'm going to pray for this person i found that as you do that god will show you what's what's a way that you can carry this person's burden or yep. bear with them mm-hmm. you know or, or forgive them or extend grace to them whatever and uh i think man if you if if you're not in the habit of doing that it's a game changer if you can if you can develop that
1: yeah, and I think just uh, Sean, I don't know if I'm cutting you off here, but I maybe maybe one of us can mention this is like why is it important that I mean I'm going to keep bring this back to that it's in Christ it's always mm-hmm. for Christ because there's a lot of non-Christian non-Christ-based organizations and even people that we know that are compassionate people they they have empathy and sympathy and then they act on it so what says why is it important that we still anchor ourselves you know what do you guys think about that. See, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, what That's makes a great us, what question. makes us, let's different? talk about it. Let's yeah. talk about
2: it. For the first thing that comes to my mind is, is the gospel. The, the, the in Christ thing is like, man, do, do what sets us apart is God has redeemed us. You know, he has, he has covered our, our sin. He has restored relationship, you know, with us to, to in the Father. Mm-hmm. And so when, when we offer compassion, it's, it's, it's a response to what Jesus has already done for us. And then it's motivated by, man, I want this person, if they don't know Christ yet, I want them to experience the the reconciliation and the freedom and the life and the purpose that I experience. And so, cause yeah, I think, I think there's so many different charities and relief organizations and, and that are doing good humanitarian work throughout the world. But if they're not in Christ, if they're not you know, extending like Christian koinonia, then they're ignoring people's most significant need, which mm-hmm. is for a savior.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And like on the next one, the the combined point of mercy, forgiveness, and grace, to me, that's so crucial because we can only understand those things through Christ. Mm. You know, we have no other context or arena or, analogy that could ever capture the depth of what we received in Christ. And, you know, when we talk about like, oh, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. That's such a a continuous learning process for every single one of us in in God's family. None of us are perfect at doing that. And we're always being grown and stretched and sanctified and, and developed as people who are through Christ more and more able to demonstrate humility and, and grace and forgiveness. Um, and I'm just totally convinced that that process, Like, of course, everyone's capable of forgiving someone here and there. Everyone's capable of showing someone mercy and grace. But I think no one is capable of doing that in a lifetime context in a continuous transformational way uh, without Christ in their life. Mm. That's a great point. I would definitely agree with that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I think maybe to, to uh, the things that we're talking about, to, you know, to piggyback and coming back to that question number one, which was, you know, why is it so important that we keep Christ center? Is when you get a mass amount of group of people together, which if we just take Christian off of it and just call it, you know, back to Koinonia is like shared shared community, shared fellowship, shared connection on some common ground. When you get a mass amount of people together, you get a mass amount of opinions on how we should handle things, respond to stuff, and a mass amount of passion and, you know, um, you know, all sorts of things. And so even when it comes to Christians coming together, if we don't remember why we why we're what holds us together in the most fundamental way, then we start thinking, okay, with our resources or our time or our energy, we should do be doing this or we should be getting involved in that. And there are a lot of great things, but we got to keep coming back to wait a minute. Whoa! What's our? What, let's keep the main thing the main thing. Like what should be involved in, so that so that it's a means of the gospel of sharing Jesus Christ with the world, and um, yeah, I think that that grounds us. You know, that anchors us. Would you guys agree?
2: Man, uh, no doubt, no doubt.
1: <laughs> the well, I, we hope it anchors us, right? I was watching a <laughs> TED talk not too long ago where they had all these different presidents of um or CEOs of organizations like like. World, International World Relief Hunger—I think it's the name of it—Hunger Relief, World Relief, Hunger, something like that. Different all these presidents representing, you know, the latest facts on things. And this one woman said that, you know, and everybody backed her. Not all non-Christian organizations, all doing wonderful things, but they and they backed her on this. They said that, she said the latest research um, is that the planet ha- for for it produces enough resources. And has been for a long time producing—in fact, she argued, they argued all the time. It's always produced enough resources that everyone on the planet should be able to eat. Like, what stopped us is that we've not been able to—between t- technology and, you know, um, you know, y- unifying resources and abilities to, to distribute that food all over the world. But she said, no, there's no time in history other than now that we have—everything's come together. We have—the planet produces enough resources— we have the money and the means to distribute it, and the technology to do so. So their argument was there really uh, doesn't need to be a reason why there's why people are going or or they're starving. And in fact, they as they unpacked it more, what the real reason was is that they argued that it's it's an issue of power. Like governments withhold certain things in certain countries, especially third world countries. We're not working enough together and in, in pulling our resources. And so I sat there and thought, man, what a as Christians, of course, do we want, do we not want people who are starving fed? Absolutely we do, right? Right. But if we, and and what she she said, man, we could be a part of the generation that actually got to a place where we're telling our children, hey, there was a time period in history or we're telling our grandchildren when people were starving around the world and then we, we, cr- we crossed that barrier where now no one's starving. We, we, we distribute resources, you know, in a way that everybody's cared for. And I thought, that's wonderful if that happens. And praise God, but Jesus also said. Jesus was really blunt. He said, "The poor will always be with you, mm. and the and the and the hunger the hungry will always be with you." In principle, so he, what he was saying, he wasn't saying don't have compassion on them. I and mean, he certainly did. He acted on it. But he was saying, "Hey, th- that's not the main thing." I mean, if if we feed someone and they go fed, wonderful. But if they still end this life this on this side of eternity without Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Knowing their purpose and being ushered into a, f- a forever uh, existence with Him, then man, we missed out. So, yeah, Christ has got to be. We got to anchor ourselves.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you you mentioned that, Jason, because I was just thinking about tonight. You know, and on a cultural level, you know, tonight's the the first. It's the beginning of the presidential debates, which is such a source of like. Like someone asked me recently, and I I referred to it as Satan's playground. Like it's like <laughs> totally like opportunity for for people to forget some of these things. Yeah. Um. So as a church family, man, Christ has to be the center as we as we discuss these things. So I'm just curious. If we can throw it out there. What should this look like? Like, what do you guys think as Christians in like today's world? What What should a totally Christ-centered and and filled church family look like? during an election and how should they behave towards one another. Mm.
2: Well, I think we should go to John thirteen, thirty-four and thirty-five. And that was something you gave us, Jason, to look at in our discussion and reflection questions. Yeah. And just to just to remind everyone what it looks like. Hopefully you've been rereading it this week, but Jesus says to to his disciples and by extension to us, a new commandment i give to you that you love one another just as i have loved you you also are to love one another by this by this love all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another and i i just love that picture of of i mean it keeps us honest and it keeps us sober that that the world is watching there's mm-hmm. an unbelieving world that doesn't understand love the love of Jesus in, in an experiential way they don't they don't have what we have and they haven't experienced the love of, of Jesus and they're watching they're, they're they're looking at us and and trying to figure it out and so what if we just kind of kept that in the forefront of our minds as we approach the this political arena and and just the the climate that we're in right now with the election, whether it's stuff we post online, you know, just thinking, okay. And I I mean, I've seen, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but I've seen like brothers and sisters in Christ on, on social media, like straight up going at each other's throats Mm. over politics. And I just think, man, what is this? What is the unbelieving world? Like, what are they seeing in that? And so I think, man, if we just, if we just held that up, you know, in front of our, our, our the forefront of our minds and just said, okay, this is this is how people are going to know that we belong to Jesus if we love one another mm-hmm. so if, so if I'm not loving the, you know my fellow brother and sister when I disagree with their politics then uh man I'm missing an opportunity to to show people what Jesus is all about and it's a really great responsibility i mean it's it's very sobering for us
1: if you think about it if 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 the reason, let's say, let's say, you know, I'm listening at home and I'm like hearing Dan say, yeah, "I got to love each other, even if our politics are different, you know, or, or our political opinions on different things are different." I got to show that love because that's how the world is watching. But then, what if you're at home thinking, "Yeah, but the reason I'm totally disagreeing with this other believer is because their their political, I'm convinced their political opinion, in my opinion, it doesn't represent Christ, <laughs> right? 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 It doesn't mm-hmm. represent Christ. So. Um, well it doesn't change right cuz then it, even in that how do we ad- i'm either now addressing someone who who is another is truly another brother or sister in christ but in, but they i'm th- i think that their ideology doesn't line up with anything that jesus teaches well the bible tells us how do we address another believer when they're living or thinking in, in an ungodly way and it's usually in humility. It's in love.
2: It's private. It's, it's for you, their you care. Go one on yeah. one.
1: It's private. It 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 keeps open the fact that maybe I'm off on my. I'll, it involves other people sometimes. Even if it's private, sometimes we bring in someone that say, "Hey, can you help us understand that?" But it's always for their benefit. It goes back to that mutuality. It's you know, or I'm dealing with someone that maybe we discover isn't a follower of Jesus. And then how do we how do we respond to our non our people who who don't share the faith of Jesus Christ? Well, it's in love, it's in gr- uh, graciousness. So it doesn't change any of these ways that we respond or any of the possibilities of who we're responding to doesn't change how we respond and that's in Christ.
2: Yeah, and just to mm-hmm. just to go off of that, I mean maybe just if what if we just asked ourselves, what's my objective here in in this conversation or debate or or maybe maybe I really do. I am trying to restore some somebody you know gently that I feel like is is off basis. You know, a, a brother or sister that has off basis. Um, what what is our objective? What's our motive? Are we trying to win an argument? Do we want them to see things the way we're seeing them, or is our motivation love? Like I I really want what's best for this person.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And man, if we just I think if we just stop and ask ourselves that question. I think the Holy Spirit will make it pretty clear kind of where we're coming from and give us an opportunity to, to make an adjustment.
0: Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of the time that we spent yesterday. Um, listeners out there, we, we had a staff intensive yesterday to just kind of recenter and regroup. And we spent some time going through James 4 kind of on this issue of like conflict and how we deal with it. And um, two things, two takeaways. One of them is that you know in James four, uh, verse four, it says, "Do do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God?" You know that, but becoming a friend of the world, you're becoming an enemy of God. And I think a lot of times, like Jason, you said, sometimes it starts kind of sneakily when it comes to politics, and we think, "Oh yeah, I'm only so involved right now because I'm convinced this is this is the most Christ honoring candidate," or "Oh no, I can't vote for this person because they're an atheist, or whatever it is." And, that's A lot of times that's how it starts with people. But then all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. before you know it, all you're consuming 24-7 is CNN or Fox News or however you're swinging. And that's all you care (laughs) about is what are the pollings right now? And, oh, what's being said about this candidate? How is the media slamming that person? And all of a sudden, before you know it, even though your intentions started well, you have become a friend of the world, at least in the way that you're acting and the way you're consuming stuff. By all points and purposes from the outside, you are a friend of the world, which is putting you at, at odds with God. But then the other thing... That we talked about was, like you said, um, you know, it's okay if you have a disagreement with somebody. It's okay that if you don't agree, especially if they if they don't know Christ, you know, especially if they um, don't have that koinonia through Christ with you. But in James 4, we saw that, that the crossing point for us is that action of, of speaking evil against one another. It says that the one who speaks against his brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. And it goes on to say that there's only one lawgiver and only one judge, Mm -hmm. and he is able to save and to destroy. And so who are you to judge? And so often we take it on ourselves to become the judge. Mm -hmm. We think, oh, man, I have to show this person that they're being so toxic and negative on Facebook. Even if you have good intentions, you're taking it upon yourself to be the judge instead of entrusting yourself to the one who you know judges justly because we can't do that all the time. You know? So yeah, just ways that we can do that balancing act of, of having love and compassion. Because sometimes, like you said, Dan, you got to correct people, your brothers, in a loving way. But it, without Christ, like we're going back to that Christ as our center and foundation, trying to do that without Christ and not crossing into that territory of judging them, becoming the judge, and, and speaking evil against them, it is like walking on a, on a slack line. You know what I mean? Yeah.
2: dude it, yeah, if you if you're looking for something to read that that will just transform your your thought process and your mind and your heart on conflict, just read that James chapter four passage the first 12 verses. It's incredible. and I love how how James starts off that that section. you know he he asks this question like what is it that causes quarrels among you? And he says it's the it's the the passions within you. It's the desires that you have inside that cause the quarrels among you, and I just thought that was such a such an interesting take um, and an, a, 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 gr- a great reality for us to focus on because a lot of times when we are having a conflict with somebody else, our focus is is with that person. It's a relational, external kind of thing, and we're trying to trying to maybe have that win that person over to our side, or we're trying to find a solution. Um, or, or maybe we're just, we're just trying to like steamroll that person. I mean, it just depends on where we're coming from, but what James is telling us is actually that's not the cause of the quarrel. The cause of the quarrel is internal. It's the stuff that the, the, the desires that are selfish, really the things that are driving you that you want, and you're elevating that over the person that you are in the conflict with. Mm-hmm. And so I just think, man. Now more than ever, you know, when it comes to this, this political stuff, we, we have to be introspective and we have to ask God to, to search our heart and to show us, man, are there, are there things that I'm, that I, passions that I have that are, that are not godly, that are leaving, leading me, like Sean said, to be, to have my allegiance to the world as opposed to my allegiance to Uh, this God who wants to dwell with me. He wants to, he wants to sup with me. He wants to, to abide with me. Mm. And I'm, and I, my allegiance is in the culture. I'm, I'm, I'm going after those things and I'm, I'm causing all this conflict and quarrels in that pursuit. And it it just, man, as we looked at that this week, it's been, it's been wrecking me. It's good.
1: Yeah. Mm. I can't help, but just whether you guys keep this or not, but I'm going to throw a little a little take a little opportunity here to say if you are listening and you <laughs> are someone that regularly takes part in like these online arguments, you know, um, I would ask you to really stop and consider how beneficial that is. Because um, what I, I I'm convinced, if you want to take, if want my opinion on it, that they're they are the benefit is almost zero. I, I hear such I get to hear about countless. I, People coming to faith and the the means in which they came to faith. And I know that there are people out there that came to saving grace and put their trust in Jesus Christ or changed their perspective on something because they saw something online in some online platform discussion. I know that it's out there, but it is so rare. Those stories are really rare. Most of the time it produces dissension and anger and arguments, like kind of what Dan was saying. And so I would ask you to reconsider if that's like a practice of yours. Uh, that I wonder if there's a better use of time. If I see someone that I know, or or that claim I don't know and claims to be a Christian, and they're at, and they're saying things that on the, uh, some platform like that, or you know, some discussion board thread, I, I'm not convinced. I, I usually chalk that up to that. That's a, an immature. That's either not a non-Christian who doesn't really know Christ, and they're they're saying that they are. If they're, if they're, what they're saying doesn't align with Christ, or it's just an immature Christian, and I don't think my quick comment here is going to fix that. <laughs> right? All right? I, I think there's better use of of my influence and time, um, and it usually stirs up something in my spirit that's that I don't think is Christ-like. Now, if it's someone I know, I still don't comment. I usually, I, I would like respond to them privately, either, and I usually even do that over a phone call. I don't even think it's beneficial. I don't. Th- I think text messages and most of that that kind of stuff should be done. I mean, they should be used for like, hey, can you pick up eggs on the way home or <laughs> right. like, hey, we're we're going to the park to play Frisbee. Not like to discuss major relational things. You know, that should be done in person or at least voice to voice. That's That's my two cents.
2: I couldn't agree with you more. And just give it a try, you know, because my guess is if that's your MO, it's probably not working out that great for you. So just uh, take take a page from the book of Moog and uh, give it a try and see what God, ha- see, see what God does, see how, how it changes things.
0: Yeah, and I would even go on to say if you look at some of those stories, which I agree, Jason, I think it's so far and few between when that does happen, which don't let that dissuade you from engaging in online evangelism, but I think it's important to ask yourself, am I doing that? Am I working towards online expansion of the kingdom of God, or am I just getting in an online playground fight because I'm mad about something? You know, in this post I'm posting, am I trying to get back at somebody? Am I trying to defend a point? Or am I trying to give glory to Christ? And if you really stop and, like Jason said, really pray about it and ask yourself, I think that the Holy Spirit will give you your answer on that. Yep. Um... Wow, man, this has been so encouraging for me, guys. Uh, I think we're getting ready to to wrap up this one. So we'll go do a little round robin and give one little ending chunk for people to chew on. Uh, I'll, I'll go first. And man, I just want people to rest in that idea of koinos, like you said, of that we have all these different things that, that bond us with others. And especially right now in this context of politics, you know, some of you out there, the unfortunately, this is going to be true for someone listening. The most important coinos to you has a big R or a D at the end of it, and, it, oh. and it's about your political party. Dang, dude! And I throwing down yeah, the hammer. I mean it's sad, but it's true. And, and and not to say that those things aren't important. Not to say that engagement and what's happening in the world around us isn't important. But I'll say to those people, because now you're out there. Christ has to be that most important koinos with you. So, man, I challenge you. I pray that the Holy Spirit will convict all of us in this season to to be working towards and, and, and working hard to make sure that 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 Christian coinia, that koinonia in our bond in Christ is not only there for us, but is absolutely evident to everyone watching our interactions and our online posts and all those things that it's so obvious. Man, they care so much more about Jesus Christ than about R or D or this candidate or whatever else it is.
2: Well said, buddy. And I'll just go off of that. And one of the things that really stuck with me from Sunday's service is actually a song we sang, the the last song we sang, Christ be all around me. And it's it's just so fitting for what we're talking about. And um, it's really just a beautiful prayer that I've just been trying to pray as I wake up each day. Uh, You know, as I rise, strength of God, go before me, lift me up. As I wake, eyes of God, look upon me, be my sight. And then it's the chorus like above me, below me, before me, every eye that sees me, would Christ be all around me? Mm. And if we just all got into the rhythm of just praying that prayer on a daily basis, you know, before we even like brush our teeth or get out of bed or anything, we just say, okay, Christ just you, may your love and your compassion and your mercy and forgiveness and grace may those things just be reflected in me so clearly that when people see me they don't even see me they see you Lord Jesus mm. and i that that's my prayer for for, for me um, for my family and and for VBC as as a faith family and so, man, just that's my encouragement is is join join me in that heart. Unite your heart with that and um, let's be uh, just a people that reflect Christ.
1: Hmm. Amen. I uh let's see. What my takeaway for you guys that I'm personally taking away, and then let actually ask you to join me is just that last number four is I just acknowledge that Christian here requires ongoing offerings of mercy, forgiveness, and grace. So I know I kinda cheated with getting squeezing those in, but if we're gonna if we're gonna follow the challenges that you know both Sean and Dan just said, we're gonna offend one another, right? And the reason I think I squeeze those in is because sometimes you have to decide in the offense, do I need to show mercy to someone? That was the first one, where they actually deserve something. They did something wrong and they deserve something a response or a judgment from that, but I'm gonna withhold that which they deserve, right? Do I need to show grace where I'm going to go beyond that and give them what they don't deserve, which is extra kindness or love or whatever it is, and in the process um, extend the forgiveness that Christ forgave me? So if we're going to be faithful and try what Dan and Sean are saying, we're going to need lots of mercy, forgiveness, and grace for one another. And I'll I'll leave you with this quote. We all need mercy because we all stumble and fall and require help getting back on track because we're imperfect, sinful people. So think about this with with this VBC, Valley Bible Church Faith Family. We know we're we're imperfect, sinful people, and we inevitably hurt each other when we're together for a long enough time, sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. But either way, it takes massive amounts of mercy and grace to create and maintain fellowship. But be faithful to that because God has been faithful to you. So, hey, I love you guys listening. I wouldn't never, I would want to be a part of any other Christian koinonia. I will if God wants me to, but I'm so grateful it's with you
2: guys.
0: <laughs> Ditto. Yeah, and I absolutely do too. Uh, and one of the, my forms of koinonia is the koinonia of behold. <laughs> so thanks for you two for right. doing this alongside each other. And thanks for you listeners that we have this coinos with each other. But ultimately, you guys all know, we, we say it all the time and we're saying it today, we're, we're so grateful that you're here on the podcast, but really we're here to do this for Jesus. We're here that, so you can behold Jesus more fully in your life. And so hopefully by listening to us chat about this and thinking some of these th- things with us, you're growing in your appreciation, your understanding of this, this koinonia in Christ that we all have together. As always, guys, we're so grateful for your time that you have joined us as we chew on some of these biblical truths together. We hope to see you on Sunday online and at our outdoor worship service. And then, of course, see you again next week. Bye, guys. Bye. See ya. Peace. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. If you would like more information about Valley Bible Church, or if you'd like resources from this episode, go ahead and check out vbconline forward Behold. Catch you guys next week.